You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Hello, and welcome to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. Once again, it is I, Garrett Ashley Mullet. Today is April 6th, 2021. It's a Tuesday morning here in Greeley, Colorado. The weather is pleasant. It's supposed to be a high of 60-something, which is, I think, better personally than the past couple of days, which have been highs in the 80s. It is episode 27 of season 3, episode 92 of the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. Today we're going to talk about Justice Clarence Thomas appearing to endorse outlawing social media's censorship of conservatives, everything you need to know by Ian Hayworth at thedailywire.com. An article that I thought was pretty interesting when I caught sight of it over the weekend. But first, let's talk about Easter. Let's talk about family coming over and church services and having good meals, but also being tired. That is my story of the weekend. My dad came down from Montana on Friday. He was here waiting for us when we got back from our Good Friday service on Friday evening. And so he stayed with us through Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. He left yesterday morning after helping the kids with some of their bikes. They had some bike repair issues that Grandpa was able to assist them with. And I'm thankful for that. The kids are thankful. They're excited that he might be moving down here. We'll see. But right now, we're at least hoping that when my brother moves into his new house in Millican, Sometime this summer, probably June, our dad is going to end up renting his house here in Evans, and that'll allow my dad to move down here, maybe get some kind of a job in the area, maybe be able to help the kids with their bikes more often, maybe get together, go on hikes, do projects. It'll just be good, I think, if that works out. God willing, we live and do this or that. We shouldn't boast about our plans for the future. And I think that was part of what was making me so tired over the weekend is that I wanted to nail down plans and think through all the ramifications. And then there's a lot of things going on in the present. And sometimes it's difficult to divide your attention between what might be and what has been and what is going on. And I think I was just feeling a little bit fatigued or a lot of bit fatigued. I just, I was just divided in my attention. I wanted to have everything in the present ready for all possible future contingencies. And the fact is that that's just not reasonable. I mean, it's one thing to plan. It's one thing to prepare. That's good. But it's not reasonable. It's not me being rational and healthy to suppose that I'm going to prepare for every eventuality. And that if I just work hard enough, it's all going to be perfect flawless, seamless, no issues whatsoever. In fact, it's more likely that things are going to be a bit of a mess in the present and in the future if my expectations are that I can do that, that I can prepare and plan perfectly to where there are no surprises, there are no mishaps, there are no disappointments. That's just not the way that life works. And that's just not the way that I'm set up or you're set up unless you're God Almighty, 
you have to have a dose of humility with the way that you approach things as they unfold. What will happen today, you don't know, much less what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or next month or next year or whatever. You should say, God willing, we live and do this or that. But when we boast about our plans for the future, we are assuming a level of power and knowledge that we just don't possess. And so that is not the mark of humility, that's hubris. And as such, there are consequences. If we are being hubristic, for one thing, you might have people, if you're a really good cell, thinking that you'll have all of this figured out and they're relying on you to have everything figured out and then they're disappointed when you don't have everything figured out and then you're frustrated and you burn bridges that way. Or people who are a little wiser will hear you talking so confidently about how everything is going to be figured out in X, Y, Z ways, and they'll say, that doesn't sound plausible, and then you lose their confidence that way. Instead, what you should do is you should say, here's where we're at. This is what I would like to have happen. If we do X, Y, Z, there's a reasonable chance of this outcome. And then you see who gets on board and you see what happens, see how things develop. God may have other plans. Life is what happens when you're making other plans while you're making other plans. For instance, yesterday morning, I planned to get up, have my cup of coffee, go start my work truck, get it warming up a little bit because it's cool in the mornings. And I was going to go to work. I was going to drive to work, get stuff done. I go out, I start the truck come back in, get changed for work, chat with my dad for a bit because he's here for a limited time and maybe he'll move down here and maybe something unexpected will happen to where that just doesn't work out. I don't know. So I'm going to talk with him while he's here because it's been a while since he came down last. And then I go back out once we're done chatting, say goodbyes and drive safes, thanks for comings. I go out. And I get in my truck and I pop it into reverse because there's another truck parked in front of me on the street. I hit reverse, give it the gas. It's not going anywhere. The truck thinks it's in reverse, but it's not going anywhere. So that's odd. Maybe I'll put it in drive, give it the gas again. Nope, that doesn't work either. Why am I not moving? Everything is here. I'm in my truck. It's on. I did the shifting thing. I did my part. Why is it not going? What might be, and I don't know yet because I haven't heard back from the dealership after they towed it yesterday afternoon, what might be is that the transmission fluid all leaked out. Could be the transfer case. It could be the transmission. It could be a number of things which I can't pretend to fully understand. I am not super mechanical. I understand the basics of how a vehicle works. I've never rebuilt an engine. I'm not real confident in my knowledge of motor vehicles, except I know how to drive because I've been driving for a while. I know that there's an internal combustion engine in all of mine. I know you put the fuel in, you make sure there's good oil. I got oil changed on both of my personal vehicles after a long time coming. It was way overdue. I know there are things like that that you have to take care of. You have to make sure that you have air in your tires and your windshield wipers work when it rains and snows. 
It's not a bad idea to wash your vehicles so they look nice for the outside world, to clean them up on the inside, to throw away trash, pick up shoes and books and sandwich wrappers and things like that. I know those things are good to do, but that's really about the extent of my knowledge. I don't know a whole heck of a lot more about vehicles. I wish I did. I always admire people who do, but in this case, the dealership will call me up after they take a look at it, whenever that is, and they'll say, this is what we found. Here's what's wrong with it. This is what it's going to take to fix it. Of course, that'll be taken care of. It'll probably be under warranty. But in the meantime, I did not get to work yesterday. My truck is in the shop, and I put all of the tools and toolboxes and backpacks and things like that, things I would need, my hard hat, my safety glasses, things that I will be using if I go to work in my personal vehicle. I put all of those things in my personal vehicle. I transferred them over from my work truck before the tow truck came and hauled it away. I called my supervisor, explained what had happened. He said, oh, that's fine. If we need to, we can get you a loaner. I'd hate for you to have to use your personal pickup. Thank you. I appreciate that. We'll keep you updated. I'll let you know what I find out. So far, still no word. So I don't know quite what the plan is. After I get done recording this podcast, I can make a few phone calls and ask the mechanic, have you guys had a chance to take a look at it? What do you think? When do you think you will get a chance to take a look at it? Call my supervisor or text him. Hey, what do you think? What do you want to do? A little bit of the problem is that it's an hour from me to the nearest plant. And so if somebody's going to come and pick me up and take me to get a loaner vehicle, it's going to be a bit. It's going to be a minute. If they're going to have me uh, drive over there, have my wife drive me over there, whatever, it's going to be a minute. If they don't have anything real pressing, no emergencies, they might just say, well, that's fine. Just sit tight, take a rest, enjoy your day, whatever. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the plan will be in that regard. But all that is to say that my plans were such and such. And then whatever happened with the vehicle, I did not foresee. And God knows what's going on with that. And he knows what will come of it. But I, for my part need to have the humility to say that is the limitation of my knowledge. To be honest about it, to be humble about it, to be content with the fact that I'm not omniscient, I'm not omnipotent, I'm not omnipresent. I am not all places at the same time. I'm not even multiple places at the same time. Through the power of the internet, I might know more. I might have more power, more knowledge, more of an ability to be present in multiple places, kind of, sort of. And yet, I'm a finite person with a finite mind and a limited understanding. I still struggle with a flawed nature that's broken by the effects of sin on creation. So there are a lot of things that if I'm going to be faithful to the truth... 
I have to factor into my own thinking, my own attitude, my own feelings about things, the expectations that I try to establish or maintain from other people. It's okay to have limitations. And it's not okay to think that you can do everything all the time perfectly and that everybody else around you is going to do all the things all the time perfectly. If you have to be selective and recognize your limitations, what is the most important thing for you to do? And what are the most important things for you to say and to know and to believe and to understand? That is what you can do, is figure that out. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And that is not to say that I am humble. That is to say I recognize my need for humility And so that's the goal. That's what I'm shooting for. I'm not shooting and hitting it perfectly, consistently, all the time. But I'm aiming for that. And I'm measuring myself against that standard. Part of righteousness is realizing where you are in the grand scheme of things, in the created order. God is God and you're not. So, on a similar note, social media censorship of conservatives might have its day in court. The Supreme Court of the United States might reevaluate the way that our government establishes protections, the way that it reasons about the nature of social media like Facebook and Twitter, for instance, like Google and Apple, for instance. How do you classify these companies? Are they just private companies like your Uncle Joe's convenience store, like your mom's flower shop, like your dad's mechanic shop? Is this something that we should look at differently based on the scale and the nature of the business. Yes, it's a private business, but is it a private business in the same way that the dealership across town is a private business? And even if it is a private business in the same way, how far do we allow a private business across town, this dealership, to just do whatever enters their minds over there? With regards to their customers, with regards to the public, do we allow anything and everything to be permissible? Or are there limitations, particularly where the public welfare, the public good is concerned and where the rights of other people are concerned? Verizon is a private company. That's who we have for a cell phone service provider. Xfinity by Comcast is a private company. That's who we have for our internet service provider. Is it okay if all of a sudden Verizon starts deciding which of my text messages should be delivered and which should not? Which websites I can visit and which I cannot? Which phone conversations I can have and which they're going to drop? Is that all right just because they're a private company? How about my ISP? If my ISP all of a sudden decides you don't need that email, from that person. We're concerned about what you might 
be planning or discussing or complaining about or objecting to or dissenting from or pursuing or whatever. Is that okay just because my ISP is a private company that they would get to decide which views I'm allowed to communicate or have communicated to me? The answer in my mind is a clear resounding no. It's not okay for my internet service provider or my cell phone service provider to decide which phone conversations I can and cannot have, who I can talk with, who all is able to hear me or read what I had to say. So then why is it okay for Facebook and Twitter when they have become the digital equivalent, a dream within a dream, Why is it okay for them to control what I can communicate? Who can see my content? Why is it okay for them to imply that if I question the integrity of the 2020 election, this is a dubious claim by me that there was massive coordinated fraud? Why is that okay for them to put a writer on all my posts before I got off of Facebook saying, this claim is disputed. Why is it okay for Instagram, for Twitter, for Facebook to decide which claims which are disputed they will tell you are disputed and which claims that are disputed they will present as being objective and reliable? Why is that all right? Well, it's not all right. It's not okay. It's dishonest. It's disingenuous for them to claim that it's their First Amendment right to control what I say and what I don't say is upside down. It's asinine. How stupid do you think we are? Or how cowed? How intimidated into a corner do you think we are that we're not going to object to such a fatuous claim? Your First Amendment right is to censor me Really? Really? Where do I even begin with that? How, how can you be so smart and yet make such a dumb argument? Now, the reason, the answer to that question is that it is not a genuine argument. It is not an honest argument. It is people trying to play God and not having the humility to recognize the limitations of their knowledge the limitations of their wisdom, the limitations of their understanding, the limitations of their goodness, the limitations of their ability to plan things successfully for every contingency. There needs to be a whopping dose of humility injected into the calculations, into the algorithms here. And unfortunately, the people that are cooking up these algorithms, which they fall back on as their excuse for why your content was suppressed, the people making these algorithms are not humble. They don't fear the Lord and they don't respect people who disagree with them. They don't believe that truth is objective. They think that truth is a will to power mechanism. It is something we claim to give ourselves license for mistreating and abusing other people. And so 
turnabout is fair play. If that's how you interpret all of human history is through this Marxist lens, then there's nothing whatsoever to prevent you from calling the truth whatever is going to advance your worldview, your progressive agenda. If that's what everybody's doing, well, then why shouldn't I do it too? But I'm going to do it for a good cause, right? They're doing it for evil. I'm going to do it for good. Yes, I'm misleading people, but they'll thank me in the end. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. And it doesn't matter that these Bolsheviks, so-called, this majority, so-called, can't be the majority if they're having to pull off a whole lot of fraud in order to win elections, if they're having to censor objections and complaints and evidence online blatantly, nakedly, unashamedly. It doesn't matter that they're not the majority. What matters to them is that they think they know what is in the best interest of the majority. So they're going to decide, even over and against your objections, what's in your best interest. You don't know how to run your life. We need to do that for you. We need to save you from yourself. Give to daddy. Give all your volition, all of your economic self-determination, all of your decision-making, your money, your power to us. No, 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 no. You can't decide whether to wear a mask to protect yourself. We're going to make this about everybody else. It's about everybody else needing you to wear a mask. It's not about you getting to decide whether you wear a mask. No, 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 no. This isn't about you getting to decide whether you can protect your family and your friends and your neighborhood with a firearm. This is about everybody else needing you to not have a firearm. It's this collectivist bend which wants to collect everybody's power and concentrate it in fewer hands. That's what central planning is. So when Clarence Thomas, legendary conservative Supreme Court justice, appears to argue that social media companies like Facebook and Twitter should no longer be able to hide behind protections like the First Amendment and Section 230 in their bid to regulate certain forms of speech on their platforms, and I paraphrase, almost quote, Ian Hayworth in the Daily Wire. I'm excited to hear it. Censorship is an evil thing when it's predicated on the arrogant, hubristic notions of the left. By the way, as an aside, I'm reading Roger Scruton here lately. I just finished his book, How to Be Conservative, last week, and then I started his book, Fools, Frauds, and Firebrands. One of the interesting things he explains and unpacks is the origin of the terms right and left to describe the political spectrum. Did you know that the origins of the terms right and left to describe progressives and conservatives lie in 1789 France, where on the left hand of the king sat the third estate, the radicals who wanted ultimately to throw off the monarchy, to abolish the church's influence in France, to bring about the republic. And on the right of the king sat the nobility, those who had benefited 
to some extent or another from the status quo and they wanted to maintain the status quo or who saw value in the inheritance of their current system. They saw value, they esteemed it, they cherished it, they embraced the good that was there. That doesn't mean, as Edmund Burke points out eloquently in his On the Revolution in France, Reflections on the Revolution in France, it doesn't mean just because you value the things which have been passed down to you that you are forbidden from making any adaptations to them, making any adjustments. If I inherit a large plot of land, I can value the fact that that was passed down to me. And that doesn't mean I'm prevented from building a house on it, from improving it, for chopping down those trees over there, from clearing some brush over here, from putting in a driveway, from doing something with the land, but it might preclude certain things I would do with the land. If I've inherited that land from my father and my father is staunchly opposed to alcohol, maybe I won't build a brewery if I respect him and honor his wishes. Maybe if I'm going to build a brewery, I build it somewhere else and I don't build it on that piece of land that I inherited from him, for instance. But the right and the left need to be able to have a reasoned discourse. Otherwise, the most radical element on the left, which knows only how to destroy and to kill, will win the day. And that's the reason why conservatives are being silenced online. They're being dehumanized. Gina Carano had it right when she compared the dehumanizing language used towards conservatives with the way that Jews were treated leading up to World War II and during World War II, during the Holocaust. You dehumanize people and it makes it easier to then treat them like objects of wrath. David Grossman talks about this as well in On Killing, that the psychological distance created when we refer people as objects enables us to break down the barriers psychologically and our souls rather the barriers to destroying those people and even if we're just ominously threatening that we will destroy them if we don't get what we want from them that is criminal Quote, even if digital platforms are not close enough to common carriers, legislatures might still be able to treat digital platforms like places of public accommodation. Although definitions between jurisdictions vary, a company ordinarily is a place of public accommodation if it provides lodging, food, entertainment, or other services to the public in general, Thomas wrote, adding that Twitter and other digital platforms bear resemblance to that definition. End quote. In simple terms, a public accommodation offers goods and services to the general public. Thomas then directly hinted that legislators would have the legal authority to prevent social media platforms from effectively censoring speech by comparing these companies to common carriers and public accommodations. So to unpack what this is talking about, imagine your power company finds out that you're hosting a podcast on a Tuesday morning and they don't like the things that you say on your podcasts, and so they turn off power to your house. Good luck recording your podcast 
with no power. Let's say your internet service provider similarly objects to the story in the Daily Wire that you're going to send to your dad in Montana. Hey, check this out. No, 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 no. We don't want him reading that. We're just going to shut off your internet for a little bit until you decide to do something else. We don't allow that kind of freedom to businesses which are essentially utilities, public utilities. That's not an okay way for them to operate because their supposed freedom to operate that way violates the God-given rights of their customers who in good faith have purchased their services, have subscribed on the understanding that they're free to do whatever is legal with these services, with these goods. Conservatives disagreeing with Joe Biden's policies, if he's pushing for gun control, when he's trying to disarm American citizens, God-fearing, law-abiding patriots, it is not okay to do that. So I hope that the Supreme Court steps in. They need to. I hope they have more courage with regards to this problem than they showed with regards to the 2020 election. I'm not going to hold my breath. I don't put my trust in even Trump's nominees, even the supposed conservatives on the Supreme Court. I don't trust that they have the courage. They might have the moral clarity, but fear can cloud the judgment of fallible men. So we should pray for them. We should pray that they have the honor and the integrity to do what they need to do, regardless threats, regardless intimidation, regardless the cost, because the cost of giving in to these censors and letting them decide what rights you can have and which you don't, as if your inalienable rights come from man instead of from God, the consequences and the cost of that are very, very high. We need to have humility. We need to recognize that other people are free to do things that we don't like. They're free to say things we don't like. They might be mistaken. They might be wrong. That might be a bad idea. But then again, remember what God has made you responsible for and what he hasn't. What is your duty before God? Godliness with contentment is great gain. I've been thinking about that a lot here lately. And we'll get into what I mean by that, what I've been mulling over in a future podcast. But suffice to say for right now, we should pursue godliness. And part of how we do that is we're showing respect to our fellow man who is also made in God's image. We're loving them. Part of how we love them is we give them the room to make decisions and to say things that we might not like. If, especially, we want to be afforded the same. So, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in, as always. If you have any thoughts on this subject or any other, please let me know. I plan to record a podcast here soon about an interesting question that my wife posed at the dinner table on Saturday. 
Tune in next time for that. But for now, and until then, thanks for listening, and God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you heard today, visit the homepage for On The Rocks blog at onthe.rocks. Also, check out On The Rocks blog podcast with Micah Hirschberger, weekly on Anchor FM. If you haven't yet done so, hit subscribe to this podcast also. And you can reach Garrett Ashley Mullet with any comments, questions, or complaints at garrettmullet at gmail.com. Hello, this is Garrett Ashley Mullet, host of the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM, and also chief editor and writer at On The Rocks blog since 2015. I have just published my first book. It is available on paperback and Kindle from Amazon.com right now. Are you thinking about homeschooling? Is someone you know considering it? No shortage of books will help you figure out how to do it. This is a book about why you should. Written from the perspective of a homeschooling father of seven who was himself homeschooled growing up, this is an encouragement to fathers and mothers to think rightly about their children's education. What our children believe about God, themselves, one another, and the universe, these are all features of their education, and the worldview our children develop is downstream of the sort of education they receive. And this is why we homeschool. Maybe you are a parent of homeschooling children and you could use some encouragement. Perhaps your local school shut down and now remote learning or homeschooling has been forced on you. Now you could use some help finding motivation to make the best of it. Or maybe you have a friend or family member considering homeschooling their children. Rather than starting you off with another home education how-to, let us start with why we homeschool. And as we figure out the reasons we should do this thing, the way to do it will be made far easier. Just go right on over to Amazon.com and type in, and this is why we homeschool in the search results. It'll come right up. Order your copy today.